Welcome to House of David Ministries. I'm Pastor Eric Michael Teitelman. Join me as we learn about the rich heritage of our Christian faith. In each episode, we explore a unique topic that will deepen your knowledge of Christ and who we are as His people. In this episode, we will explore the kingdom of God and what it means to be a true follower of Yeshua. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14 and 16, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Yeshua affirmed this when he said in Matthew chapter 7, he said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So I want to go back in time and tell you a little bit more about my walk with the Lord and how it has changed over the years. Before I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior in 2002, just as it says in Proverbs, I was also following a way that seemed right to me. It was pretty much the way of the world, and ultimately it was a wide path that would lead to my destruction. When I moved back to the United States from Israel in 1984, like many other immigrants, I came here in search of the opportunities this nation provided. And I was intensely focused on going to college so I could build a career and support a family. I wanted to get married, buy a house, and live out the American dream. Even now, it's hard for me to find anything inherently wrong or sinful with this desire. I mean, after all, didn't the Lord tell Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply the earth? It appeared that I was at least fulfilling one of God's commandments, and to the best of my abilities, I was trying to be a good person, treating others as I desired to be treated, you know, the golden rule. Within about 10 years, I'd achieved what many others only dreamed of. I was married to a kind and beautiful wife, my Two children were healthy and incredibly smart, and I'd risen the career ladder and very quickly excelled into executive management from the young age of 26. My income was way above average, and we could afford to live in an upper-middle-class neighborhood that provided the best public schools. We weren't rich, but we lived very comfortably. Sure, we had our challenges here and there, but overall life was very good. But the Lord had another plan and purpose for my life. And though I was not aware of it at the time, his grace was gently leading me towards an alternate reality. I still had many questions about life. And so, sitting on my couch one day while we were living in New Hampshire, I decided to read the New Testament. And this was the moment that would change my life forever. I wasn't desperately looking to fill some void in my heart, but I was curious and adventurous enough to read a book that was, for the most part, forbidden by the Jewish people. And I was seeking the truth about Christianity. It was, to me, either a false religion fabricated around a false Jewish Messiah named Jesus, or maybe there was something I was failing to understand about this widely accepted world religion. So I opened the King James Bible and began reading the book of Matthew, Matityahu. And what I learned shattered and unraveled my comfortable view of the world. On virtually every page, there was something Yeshua said that challenged my life and I needed to make a decision. First, would I accept Yeshua as my Lord and Savior? And that was the easy answer. The answer was yes. But would I be willing to follow him into the darkest places in the earth and possibly sacrifice everything I had gained? That answer was not so simple. 
Now, the book of Matthew uses the term kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God interchangeably. And the other three gospels use the term kingdom of God exclusively. In Hebrew, the word for heaven is shamaim, which was used by the Jewish people as a circumlocution, which means a substitute for the name of God. So the kingdom of heaven is also a reference to the kingdom of God. In other words, they're one and the same. Now, Yeshua had some very difficult things to say about his kingdom. First of all, he required repentance. He proclaimed in Matthew chapter 3, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he began to demonstrate what he further required for us to qualify for the kingdom. This was what he called the narrow gate and the difficult way that would lead to eternal life. He said in Matthew chapter 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So let's explore some more of Jesus' challenging kingdom principles. First of all, we have to seek the kingdom of God above anything else. Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Then we must humble ourselves before the Lord and submit to him. Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 18, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Next, we must do the will of our heavenly Father. Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Then we have to put everything else in this world as secondary even our own families, and follow the Lord and become his disciple. Yeshua said in Luke chapter 14, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Next, we must be fully dedicated to the Lord and walk in a straight and righteous path. Yeshua said in Luke chapter 9, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit. For the kingdom of God. And lastly, we must be willing to sell everything and invest into his kingdom. Yeshua said in Matthew chapter 13, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, there are many more parables that Yeshua shared about the kingdom of God, but from what I've just briefly listed, you may be guessing that my comfortable little world was beginning to turn upside down. I mean, everything I had labored for all these years had revolved around me, my career, my income, my wife, my house, my family. All of a sudden, Yeshua's words required a radical change in my thinking. It was his kingdom, his calling in my life, his finances, and his family. Even my very life was determined by him and was now his possession. So I was faced with a crucial decision. Would I allow the Lord to radically change my earthly views and transform my thinking into that of the kingdom? Or would I desperately hold on to this comfortable American life and ignore the greater calling on my life? So I began to understand that there are two kingdoms, one of this world and one not of this world. And the prince of this world governed this kingdom. And the other was governed by Yeshua, the chief prince and the prince of all princes, 
And this is why he said in John 18, my kingdom is not of this world, but one day soon it will be. Yeshua talked about two things we needed to sustain our lives. We needed his living bread and we needed his living water. We know that Yeshua is the word of God made flesh, and so the word of God is our daily bread. And we need to read his word and allow it to renew and radically transform our minds. And I mean continually. Yeshua also asked the Father to send his spirit into the world. He is the water of life that heals and continues to sustain all things created. Being hungry or thirsty is our initial motivation to seek after the kingdom. Yet, desire alone will not sustain us. We must take action by picking up our Bibles and reading them every day. And we must spend time in worship and prayer with the Lord also every day so that we are refreshed every morning and renewed by His Holy Spirit. In contrast, there is a counterfeit to the kingdom of God. And this world has its own spirit, that of the Antichrist. And this world also has its own written ideologies. And if we're not careful, it would be just as easy for us to translate these earthly views into the kingdom of God. I mean, how many times have we all done that? But following the ways of the world are of little use in building the kingdom of God. The Lord said in Isaiah chapter 55, As for the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so what exactly does the kingdom of God look like? Well, let's start with a definition. A kingdom is a nation of people, both physical and spiritual, whose ruler is God as king. God's kingship, called Malchut in Hebrew, and his lordship, Adnut, lies in the fact that he is lord of the whole universe. So in summary, a kingdom has a king and his name is Yeshua, and this kingdom has a people who form a nation that serves that king. There's one more aspect to God's kingdom. It's his citizenship, and we will be talking about that in a future episode. Now, our sages tell us, It is known to all that the purpose of the creation of the world is the revelation of God's sovereignty, for there is no king without a nation. The nation at the heart of God's kingdom is Israel. But the kingdom of God now encompasses all those who have been grafted into Israel. Paul said, grafted in amongst them. These are the natural branches who are Israelites and the descendants of Abraham. So God's church, his ecclesia and congregation, now includes people of every nation, tribe, and tongue. The kingdom belongs to the king, and its people are his dominion. Therefore, the kingdom is as much about the people of God as it is about God himself. But this is no ordinary kingdom. It's a kingdom of kingdoms, as it says in Revelation 17. He is the Lord of lords and King of kings. Many Christians misunderstand the kingdom of heaven. They believe it is a spiritual place that exists in some far-off location or alternate dimension. While we know there is a heavenly spiritual realm, God intends to bring heaven to earth. In other words, the spiritual and natural worlds will one day collide and the kingdom of heaven will invade the earth so the two shall become one. The Lord instructed Moses concerning the building of the earthly tabernacle. He said in Exodus chapter 25, According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. The tabernacle 
and all its artifacts provide a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. Yeshua instructed us to pray in Matthew 6, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So again, God's kingdom will one day be fully established in this natural realm. And to prove that, Yeshua rose from the grave and was resurrected into a physical body. And he is returning with his bride, the church, to a physical earth. The prophets declared, Zechariah in chapter 14 said, Thus the Lord my God will come and all his saints with you. And in Revelation chapter 21, it says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. When Yeshua returns, he will establish his earthly kingdom in Israel from Jerusalem for all eternity, just as the Lord promised to King David. It says in 2 Samuel chapter 7, Your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. So my walk with the Lord these past 15 years has been one of gradual and continual transformation. The reality of God's world has slowly become a reality in my life. And I know that I'm far from perfect, and admittedly, I don't understand what a life completely sold out for Yeshua would look like, at least not yet. But what I do know is that he has a desire and purpose for my life that is much different than the life I carved out for myself. And day by day, he continues to open doors for me to serve him. I've raised my children and continue to support our household. I continue to work a regular job at a local government agency, and I spend as much of my time possible serving the Lord. I've read the entirety of Scripture many times over, and my prayer life is continually advancing. I love to sing and worship the Lord, so that is one of the natural gifts that the Lord has given me and comes pretty easily also. My faith continues to be challenged by the cares of this world and the flaming arrows of our adversary. My flesh is weak and aging, and there are things I still fear and strongholds I continue to wrestle with. And yet God is gracious and incredibly patient with me as my confidence rests in His salvation and His daily transforming power over my life. When I read scripture, I notice that Yeshua never gave his disciples a daily itinerary. He would often disappear, either going to a nearby mountain to pray to his heavenly Father, or walking away to his next assignment, leave his disciples perplexed and running after him. I feel like our present walk with the Lord is often the same. Yeshua knows that my heart's desire is to serve him fully, and I pray yours will be the same. But following Jesus requires a choice that we each must make. In May 2013, the Lord gave me this dream. In the dream, I was riding my bike to meet up with a group of Christians. As I entered an old stone church building, I saw to my left a sizable group of men and women sitting at long rectangular tables. And they were talking and laughing and having a great time of fellowship. And to my right, I saw Yeshua walking quickly towards a small door that was along the back side of the building. He was wearing a long reddish-purple colored robe, and he had a gold crown of thorns on his head. Yeshua did not look at me or at any of the other Christians. He had his eyes fixed on that door, and he moved quickly towards it. I said to him, my spirit, look, I also have a crown on my head. Why are you not taking notice of me? I then answered the Lord in my spirit as he gave me understanding. 
The crown I am to wear is a crown of suffering. I saw Yeshua open the door, and behind the door was complete darkness. He paused for a minute to look back and see if anyone else was standing there with him, and as there was no one, he entered in and closed the door behind him. This dream, I believe, represents an everyday decision the Lord gives me. I do have an opportunity to join the fellowship of other Christians, and there is no condemnation for doing that. But I am also given an opportunity to follow Jesus into dark places, and following him requires me to wear his crown of suffering. This is a life of sacrifice. So, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that we all become radically transformed, fully surrendered, and completely sold out disciples of Yeshua. Paul reminded us in Romans chapter 5, he said, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. Therefore, in Hebrews 12, it declares, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. If you have enjoyed this teaching from House of David Ministries, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our website where you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. We pray the Lord richly bless you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.